It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to North Star Sports. My name's Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarSports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. We got a great one for you today here on this Thursday, September 17th, as we look to preview UFC Fight Night Covington versus Woodley. Uh, it's also uh, a recap, a little bit, of uh, UFC Fight Night Watterson versus Hill, because we did not do the recap show, but we'll blow through that in about four minutes because that was a very uneventful uh, UFC card. Uh, and I'm uh, strapped for time, so I uh, didn't think I would do this show this week, but, you know, we got to do at least one show a week. Uh, that's a very low bar, but, uh, you know, the mailman's been very busy. He's been doing a lot of TV work, so the mailman hasn't really had time to come on here and, you know, uh, grace the masses. But, you know, I figured we'd come out here and uh, and do a show. Might be a little abbreviated, but, uh, you know, we got to make the appearance, but... Uh, I've been a busy man, and I'll be an even busier man this weekend because I got 11 hockey games, 11 two-hour hockey games I need to call over the span of about two and a half days. So I would not expect a show on Monday because I don't know if my voice is going to handle uh, 22 hours of uh, high-intensity hockey calling in in three days' time. So uh, probably not a show on Monday. So the, the recap show will probably happen on Tuesday because... I am going to be a fucking dead man on on Monday. Um, But rest assured, if I can do it on Monday, if I can do the recap show on Monday, I will do it. I will do it. But I'm just saying, physically, my vocal cords might be fucked at that point. Uh, But I'll be very excited because this is a a really, really good card. I'm really fucking excited. You know what I mean? I kind of have been shitting on the UFC these last couple of cards for just, you know, slapping together some, you know fucking LFA fucking prelims and, you know, Bellator post-limb fights, but, um, no, this is, this is a really good card. I'm really excited for it, and obviously the main event is going to be exciting. The main event might start a fucking race war, but, <laughs> you know what I mean? Probably not the greatest time to, you know, I'm surprised I didn't put this fight when I, well, I don't know when the fuck the election is, because I don't fucking vote, but, you know, <laughs> whatever the election is, November 4th or something, surprised I didn't put this one on November 4th. Um, but it'll be a good one, but, um, excuse me, uh, feeling a little bit sick, which is not, not good, because I got a lot of work I got to do these next couple of days, um, but yeah, we'll go, we'll get a very, very, very quick recap here of Watterson versus Hill, excuse me, I'm sure that sounds disgusting, um, boring ass main event couldn't give two fucks uh angela hill is a below 500 fighter in the ufc michelle watterson uh if (laughs) read between the lines on why she's popular it's not because of her fighting let me tell you that much i don't want to elaborate on elaborate on it too much uh because i prefer to stay out of trouble but um you, you could venture to guess why michelle watterson is popular and it is not because of her long winning streaks in the ufc we'll just put it that way um Split decision, I don't know. I thought Watterson won. I wouldn't really give two fucks if Angela Hill won either because I, I just don't care. Um, MMA decisions, I think, had it pretty even. Maybe Watterson with a slight edge. 
um, you know, from like the, the media members. Um, it's tough to tell. Don't be fooled by the little Chiron uh, with the, the tweets at the bottom during live UFC broadcasts. Uh, those are bullshit. They're just hand selected. I don't know. I don't. I don't know the rationale for putting them on there. Um, those tweets at the bottom have nothing to do with the fight. It like, and and the thing that I've noticed with those scrolling tweets, they're always about one fighter. They're never about like so like, um, it was a big deal with like the Holloway, and Volkanovski rematch, um, because everybody said like, oh, it was only. You look at the tweets. They were only favorable for Max Holloway, so it makes it seem like Max Holloway's winning. No, the UFC or whoever the fuck their directors only chose to put the Holloway tweets on there. It's never you never see like. Wow, that was a good first couple of rounds from Holloway. Oh wow, but those are some cool leg kicks from Volkanovski. I mean, you know what I mean? It's don't be fooled by those. And uh, there was a lot of them in favor of Angela Hill, and I I haven't the foggiest idea. Um, I don't know. I just, it's you see this in every single um like video piece that that they do promo work for for fighters, where like man, I'm on the right track, man. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm going to become champ. I'm Angela Hill. I'm on the road to becoming a champion. Or Michelle Watterson. I want to be the first mom champ. Like, it's always like, wow, now I've figured it out. I understand. You're not going to be like, wow, I really have doubts about this fight. That's not a good promo. But, like, it's just funny seeing that and then seeing how they fight. And it's like, <laughs> okay, like, we are several, several notches below what you're talking about. So, I mean, whatever. People like Angela Hill, good for her. I'm I'm happy for you, but fighting, yeah, you know what I mean. Whatever, I don't want to get in trouble. Um, co-main event was interesting. I mean, I wish it would have gone longer. I fucking comma worthy man. You know, I said I'd never pick against him. I didn't. I picked him in this fight, and then he loses. So I'm 0-3 picking against or for comma worthy. I always pick wrong. So you know what I mean. I don't know. I'm still a fan of him because he's a very cool story. And um, I don't know. Maybe he just maybe he ran, well. He ran into a legit prospect, so, I mean, I'm not burying Kama Worthy here. I mean, we'll see what happens in his next fight, but uh, a little bit of a setback. Um, Roxanne Mottaferi and Andrea Lee. Yeah, that was not a very good fight. Uh, Ed Her- Shout the fuck out to Ed Herman. That was fucking hilarious. Ed Herman needs an Academy Award for, for that fake nut. Like, dude, you know if you've been hitting the nuts or not. Like, I... I, I Whatever, man. Like, I I understand. I understand the entire argument, okay? Like, well, it's not Ed Herman's fault. Like, it's... The ref gave you that one, so... You know what I mean? Are you supposed to not take it? No, I agree. If the ref's a fucking idiot and stops the, the, the fight and, and calls time, yeah. I mean, milk it. It was the ref making a dumb decision. But it was your shitty acting that made the ref do that decision. You know what I mean? I guarantee, I guarantee you could do this, and probably only like 20% of the time will the ref call bullshit on you. If if you're fighting, and there's a little bit of handwork or whatever, and maybe some punches are being thrown, and you just take both of your hands and cover up your face and start running away, I guarantee you the ref is going to call time just almost instinct instinctively, because he's going to think it's an eye poke. Whether or not the ref actually saw the eye poke, he's probably going to stop it. Now, if it's a... Uh, if it's a uh, Herb Dean or like um, who the fuck is that British guy? Ah, it doesn't matter. But if it's like a very high level, elite level MMA referee, yeah, they're 
that's going to be the twenty percent where they're like, "What the fuck? No, he didn't. Po- he didn't. Hit, he didn't poke you in the eyes. Fight on." But like, you know, just whatever schlub they're putting on there, yeah, that could work. So your shitty acting caused the the referee to stop it because he didn't want to feel like a dick if you got knocked out after a nut shot. Um, and then obviously Ed Herman came back to submit Mike Rodriguez, dude. Whatever, I'm not a I'm not a pro fighter, but you know if you've been hitting the fucking nuts, dude. Don't fucking lie. Like I've been hitting the stomach pretty hard, and you, I mean, you will feel it in your nuts a little bit. You know what I mean? But like, if it's like low stomach, you know, because then it's just like it's just force. But like, ah, getting hit in the stomach and getting hit in the nuts are two very distinct feelings. Like, <laughs> ask that ask that guy who got spinning dick kicked twice by Raymond Daniels at Bellator, like two weekends ago ask that guy if those were to the stomach or to the nuts like I guarantee you they were to the nuts because he was in that that actually might be the most intense intensely painful nut shots I've ever seen in my entire life that is just fucking brutal fucking brutal um the rest of the main card and prelims I couldn't give a fuck about uh, I'm not gonna waste my time talking about that because uh, it's well past the news cycle, and, I mean, a lot of the fights weren't very interesting. I mean, Romanov uh, has some Donkey Kong strikes. That's pretty cool. Brock Weaver fucking sucks. I could have told you that before that. I would cut him from the UFC immediately. He's not a good fighter. Um, oh, I forgot this in um, in housekeeping earlier, but uh, I retained my North Star Sports Moneyweight Championship, uh, which was interesting, but... Um, because Drew Peterson had to pull out, it was the Hound Dog Reagan Hooverman, the Hound Dog Reagan Hooverman who uh, challenged for the title in his debut. He was the minus, or no, he was the plus nine hundred underdog according to odds I just made up. Um, he did pretty good for just randomly picking. Like, you know, I tried to tell this to him like probably a couple of months ago when I was trying to get him to do the main card showdown, where it's like. Yeah, I'm a UFC fanatic, and you don't know anything about it, and you're just guessing randomly. But honestly, what's the difference between being an infor- informed picker like me and just randomly guessing? I can tell you how it turned out. Now, maybe that's an indictment on me sucking at picking, but I don't think I'm that bad. I mean, I'm not. You know what I mean? I'm not a fucking world class better, but you know what I mean. I can, I can, you know, articulate why one fighter is the heavy favorite over the other. But at the end of the day. I mean, the, the the truism of, you know, you have a puncher's chance, I mean, it's 100% valid. Like, you never know what the fuck is going to happen in an MMA match. Like, <laughs> it's truly ra- – like, I was trying to explain this to him where it's like, if, if the Golden State Warriors of a couple of years ago took on – the New Orleans Pelicans of a couple, or the the Kings, the Sacramento Kings of a couple of years ago, in a, a three game series, I can fucking guarantee to you, ninety nine point nine percent of the time the Warriors are gonna win that series because it's basketball. But in fighting, dude, I could put fucking again, yeah, uh, you know, it's hyperbolic, crazy example, but like, I I could put like Stipe Miocic up against Jalen Turner. And, yeah, Miocic is probably going to mop the floor with him 99 times out of 100 times. But, like, it just takes one one lucky punch placed in, in the perfect spot to shut the lights out. Like, in, anything can happen. Stipe could fucking break his leg walking out to the middle of the octagon. You know what I mean? So, it's like, it, I, I, it's more it's more similar to, like, uh, March Madness 
where it's like, well, I could tell you why Kansas is going to be the favorite to go to the Final Four, but in actuality, Kansas always loses before the Sweet 16. You know, they always lose in like the round of 32. So logic doesn't exactly fly here in the MMA circles when it comes to picking fights. MMA math, I mean, it's almost funny calling it MMA math because it's it's really not, you know what I mean? It's almost always, not almost always, but 50-50, you know what I mean? It goes either way. You know, it's 50% of the time, it's it's correct. It's it's definitely an art, not a science. Um, but he, he came close. I think I beat him, I think I beat him 58-55. Um, but that's only because we picked, I picked Watterson to win by decision. He picked Hill by decision. So that's a three-point swing. So if it, if it went to a decision, which if it's a female fight, it's like a 97% chance it goes to a decision, it was going to be a 10-7 round. So yeah, I beat him by three points, but we were tied going into the final round and just the nature of, of our selections. I mean, you know, it, it probably wasn't going to be, you know, a one-point win. So he did pretty well. He said he did those picks in, I think, 90 seconds. Uh, you know what I mean? So I was like, well... Next time, if you put 120 seconds of, of thought process into picking it, you know, maybe maybe you'll get it done. And he, he, he just said he picked the, the scariest-looking fighters and just worked off that, and, you know, he almost won. So it tells you that, you know, anyone who thinks they know anything about MMA gambling is a fucking idiot. They probably don't know shit about it. Um, unless you can prove to me you're making money, then, I mean, money money don't lie. Man, I just feel like I'm getting sicker and sicker as I'm doing this show. That is not a good sign. Maybe, maybe I got the, um, maybe I got the the Rona or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe I got the Rona because I I feel like I have. Ah, never mind, I'm not gonna say it. But <laughs> uh, all right, where are we now? Let's see here. Yep, get rid of Waterson versus Hill. We don't need that. We're done with that. We're moving on to to greener pastures here. Funner fight cards. Um, Covington Ah, oh, Jesus, my throat is fucking killing me uh, Covington versus Woodley This is a good one And I like it because we have fi- it's a 15 fight card um, Which probably means it's going to be more like a 12 or 13 fight card Once, you know, people test positive for uh, COVID uh, Which is smart uh, This is what I've been saying they should do yo. You know, in these times, they learn their lesson This is why they have 15 on this card You know Listen, if it is 15, who gives a fuck? Because it's on, you know, it's on a streaming service. So who gives a who gives a shit if we're streaming till three in the fucking morning? It doesn't matter, you know. We're not beholden to archaic, the archaic TV models. Um, but you know, f- fucking Jesus. I mean, we've had seven fight cards, um, so you always got to overestimate. But I am I am fucking thrilled. And honestly, looking up and down this fight card. I mean, there's definitely fights that aren't super great. You know what I mean? But, like, they're prelim fights. Like, the main card? Ah, the main card's pretty fucking good. Like, I, I'm really excited. So, we'll start it off here uh, on the prelim opener. It is a uh, flyweight fight here between Tyson Nam and Jerome Rivera. Uh, we look at the odds. These come from William Hill. Um... All right, well, I guess I don't have odds for Tyson Nam, so uh, we have no odds for uh, from William Hill on, on this fight. Um, probably fitting, because I, I don't really care about this fight, to be honest with you. I don't care about any 
flyweight fight outside of the the championship fight between uh, uh, Figgy and uh, Cody. Um, I don't know. I don't think I'm picking Tyson Nam here because he's a 36-year-old flyweight. That's not good. Um, he did have a very quick knockout over Zaruk Adeshev, but Adeshev was 3-1 and one, uh, when Nam was 18-11-1. Um, yeah, uh, this, this guy... I don't count that as a win in the UFC, to be honest. You beat an amateur in the UFC. Um, so Tyson Nam, as far as I'm concerned, is still winless in the UFC, and he's going to be winless uh, after he loses to uh, Jerome Rivera. Um, he's 25, so he's, you know, not past his prime. 36. I-, I say this almost every other show, but, like, 36 is basically like Randy Couture at 45 at heavyweight. Like, flyweights do not age gracefully. 36 is old as fuck for a flyweight. Um... He's on, uh, well, I guess he's, he's coming off of his contender series uh, victory over Luis Rodriguez. Don't have much to say about him. I just know Tyson Nam is not uh, a UFC caliber fighter, and maybe Jerome Rivera is. So that's enough for me to uh, say Jerome Rivera is going to win this one. Now moving on here in the featherweight division, we have a fight here between Derek Minner and TJ Laramie. Uh, Laramie is the minus 260 favorite. Um, This is a very, this is a very good uh, UFC debut here for TJ Laramie. Excuse me. Um, I I really like this. You got Derek Minner. This guy is uh, is a veteran of the game. He's had probably more regional level MMA fights than a lot of fighters in, in the UFC. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't have a whole lot to say about Derek Minner. Um, but he, he's a good stepping stone here for TJ Laramie. Uh, Laramie, he just won on the Contender Series um, on the 11th of August. Um, so, you know, th- th- this is a this is a good UFC debut. It's, it's um, well, I'll use all the cliches I possibly can because I don't know a whole lot about Derek Minner. I have seen him f- fight. Like, I've seen his fight with, like, Grant Dawson, and I saw him on the Contender Series. I forgot who he lost to, but, like... You know, a crafty veteran. You know what I mean? Like he he's been around the game. Um, he's not a very high level fighter, but um, I, I think he almost choked out Grant Dawson in the first round of that fight. So, um, you know what I mean? If if you don't mind your p's and q's, um, you know he, he certainly could beat you. But um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Laramie, the first Canadian to win on the um, on the uh, the Contender Series, which. Uh, I find hard to believe, to be honest, or the first to win and then get a contract, which I find hard to believe, to be honest, because, I mean, it's, we're in the fourth season um, at this point, so that's interesting. Uh, moving on here, we have uh, in the bantamweight division uh, a fight here between Andre Ewell and Irwin Rivera. Ewell is 16-6, and six. Irwin Rivera is 10-5. and five. Um, the odds for this one have Ewell as the minus 190 favorite. <coughs> Jesus, I'm already losing my voice. That is not a good sign. I'm going to have to go down to the store and buy some of those lozenges or whatever. Although maybe, I, I always say it, but maybe I'll get into ASMR. Maybe people are into sick dude ASMR. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a market for that somewhere. Um, but this one's interesting. Andre Ewell, this was the guy who beat uh, Henan Barrow 
he beat Henan Burrell. How about that? If I if I told you that in 2011, that would be very impressive. If I told you that in 2020, you'd say, who the fuck is Henan Burrell? Because you're probably a new fan of the UFC, and you have no idea who Henan Burrell is. At one point, was the, the pound-for-pound fucking king. <laughs> so that's, that's interesting. Um, he beat Jonathan Martinez at 247. I'm trying to remember... Because that was the one with the super shitty judging. I'm trying to remember if Ewell... I want to say Ewell got smoked in that one. I want to say he lost pretty badly. Yeah, you know, he did. He did. Um, Let me pull up MMA decisions here. I I, I love MMA decisions. Um, I want to say he lost every single round. And I want to say this was the the fight where he broke his arm. Or or something like that. And I, uh, I think Jonathan Martinez smoked... Yep, okay. Holy shit, yeah. There's about 15 media scores, and 14 of them are for Jonathan Martinez. So, okay, uh, he's, he's coming off of a loss uh, for all intents and purposes. Uh, no surprise, Joe Saliz had it 30-27 for Andre Ewell, a man who lost every single round. He gave it to him uh, every single round. Um, <laughs> Joe Saliz... I saw the funniest thing on Reddit, which I know is a fucking very... Well, if this was me a couple of years ago, I'd use a different word, but, uh, you know, that's a very interesting thing to say. Uh, not a very cool thing to say, but, um, yeah, Joe Salise, Beastin4946, Joe Salise. It's probably the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard uh, about an MMA judge. I was going to say ever, but that's that's a high bar. That's a very high bar. Not the funniest thing I've ever heard ever. Um... And Erwin Rivera, this was the guy who he won. He won on the fight card that Figueredo beat Benavidez on the second time, and he fought um, what's his name, uh, Ali Alkaisi. Um, I thought he lost that fight, but it was super. It was super close. I mean, you know what I mean. Probably should have been a draw. Well, you know, we need to see more draws. I, I really think we should see more draws. Um, I don't know, because like, cause you look at that one, I'm sure if you looked at the, the fight metrics on that, I don't know, man, I'm sure it's fucking dead even. Um, I'm going to go Ir- Irwin Rivera on this one. I don't know, I just kind of like the way he fights, and Andre Ewell, I mean, he got fucking beasted on by Jonathan Martinez, and um, I don't know, I, I don't think Joe Saliz is going to be there this Saturday, so uh, he's not going to have his uh, lucky judge there. Alrighty, moving on here in the bantamweight division, we have a fight here between Randy Costa and Journey Newsom. Costa's five and one. Newsom is nine and two. Um, Newsom is the minus one forty favorite. And this, uh, this is interesting because this, these are two low level fighters here in the bantamweight division, but they're both really talented. Uh, Randy Costa, I think Randy Costa came into the UFC at like three and one or something, which is just fucking ridiculous. I don't think that's a good idea for pretty much anybody. Um, I respect the fuck out of him because uh, his nickname is the Zohan, and uh, yeah, he 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 looks like the Zohan. He he you, you don't mess with the Zohan. Which I gotta say, I watched that movie about a year ago because I just went back and I don't know where I saw it. Maybe I, it had to have been on one of the streaming services. That's a fucking really good movie. That's a really fucking good movie. You Don't Mess With the Zohan is classic. Fucking classic. Um, 
I, f- I really forgot how good it was. I got to go back and watch all these movies I used to watch in like middle school. Like all these like basically all these comedies from like the mid 2000s back when comedies could actually be funny, you know, and you wouldn't get canceled for like a, a slightly off-color joke. But like, you know, all the movies inside inside reference, but all the, all the movies I used to watch with the Bouse Man. You know what I mean? These these classic movies like, you know, I mean, everybody knows about Talladega Nights, but I got to throw that in there. That's probably the... I don't want to be hyperbolic. It's definitely a top three comedy of all time. Um, it might, You know, it might be the best, but I don't want to say that because um, I haven't thought it through completely. But, I mean, fuck, like, you don't mess with the Zohan, um, Talladega Nights. God damn, that's a fucking good movie. Fucking good movie. Um... Borat, Borat's great. I fucking love Borat. Um, I don't know. Sasha Baron Cohen's other movies, not so not so great. Kind of funny, but not so great. I mean, they tried they tried to relive the the glory of of um, Borat. Um, didn't really. Well, what was one about the gay Austrian or something? Uh, Bruno. I mean, I don't know. Bruno wasn't that funny. Like I don't know. You're just trying to copy Borat. What, what was mother? Ah, whatever. This isn't this isn't a fucking film session here. But um, point being, I respect Randy Costa greatly. Um, and uh, Journey Newsom. This was a guy who fought at the infamous UFC Minneapolis card. Uh, he lost a unanimous decision to Ricardo Hamos. Um, I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of tough to figure out uh, where these guys are in in their UFC careers. I mean, Randy Costa, famously or infamously. Lost to uh, Brandon Davis, which um, not not that good of a fighter. Not that good of a fighter. Uh, he's tough as hell, though. Uh, he beat Boston Salmon, which I mean that's an interesting interesting name there. I don't really know. Uh, I'm gonna go with Randy Costa. I mean they're both. It's essentially a pick 'em. You know, Journey Newsome. What was it? He was a minus 160 favorite. But you know, you don't mess with the Zohan, and I'm not gonna mess with the Zohan. So I will pick Randy Costa to win uh, solely based on that. And you know what? You can't tell me I'm wrong for doing that, because look at Reagan fucking Hooverman. Randomly picking fights, and uh, turns out well for him. So, you know what I mean? I, I could break down. I could break down the striking percentages and the takedown defense of, of Journey Newsom, and how is that gonna how is that gonna factor in with Randy Coast striking? But nobody gives a fuck about that. You'd all be asleep, and, uh, uh, you know, I could crunch the numbers, and I'd probably still be wrong. I'd still have as, just as good of a chance uh, if I was just randomly guessing and picking off of trivial things like... Uh, nicknames. Uh, moving on here in the bantamweight division, we have a fight here, uh, women's bantamweight, between Sarah Alpar and Jessica Rose Clark. Alpar is nine and four. Rose Clark is nine and six. Um, Rose Clark is the minus two hundred favorite. So that's interesting. And the only reason I say that's interesting is because I have nothing else to say about this fight. Um, so that is interesting. Um, Sarah Alper, that name sounds familiar. Um, oh, she won on the Contender Series. As you can tell, I don't do a whole lot of research uh, in advance of my fight cards, especially on the prelims, especially for fights I don't give a shit about. Um, so that's interesting. And uh, Jessica Rose Clark is a uh, human coloring book. Uh, she has uh, childish scribbles all over her body uh, that she will have for the rest of her life. Um... She's on a two-fight losing streak, so that, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. She has a win over, a split decision win over Beck Rawlings, also another human coloring book. 
um, and Paige Van Zandt. Um, <coughs> I'm going to go with um, Jessica Rose Clark on this one. Just just uh, siding with a UFC experience. Um, and also, like, I feel like fighting matters more for Jessica Rose Clark because with all the tattoos she has, I mean, you can't really... You can't really get a job in finance, you know, with with face tattoos. I mean, maybe you could, but I I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's funny. I, I I just like when people have dumb tattoos because it makes me feel better about my uh, lack of dumb tattoos. I don't have a single fucking tattoo on me. Um, whatever. Honestly, I couldn't really care. I'm just kind of fucking trolling here. I, I couldn't really care. Do whatever the fuck you want with your body. I don't care if those tattoos make you happy. That's good. Um. But yeah, I mean, I don't care. I mean, I, I don't care about anything, man. If Jessica Rose Clark wants to cut her fucking arm off, I couldn't care less. It's not my arm. If it makes you happy, I don't care. Cut your arm off. Tattoo your tattoo your fucking eyeballs. I couldn't care. I couldn't care less. Do whatever you want. Um. Yeah, Jessica Rose Clark by decision, of course. Um. Moving on here, still on the prelims, we have a fight between. Uh, Jordan Espinoza, who's 15 and 7, and David Dvorak, who is 18 and 3. This in the men's flyweight division. Uh, we take a look at the rankings here. It's a minus 110 pick'em, um, which I think I think is fair. I think is fair. Um, at, at times, I've been impressed with Jordan Espinoza. Uh, he is 30, so I mean, I'd say 30s. You know, 30s young to be in the UFC if you're like. Uh, middleweight, but, uh, 30s kind of like dead center in your prime as a, as a featherweight or, um, not as a featherweight as a, as a, um, as a flyweight. Um, I was impressed with his fight, uh, against Eric Shelton. Now he led, he lost two fights in rapid succession after that one to match Schnell and Alex Perez, uh, and then came back and beat the man with the, um, most female nickname. Uh, in the UFC for a male, uh, the Bumblebee, Mark De La Rosa. Um, awful nickname. Terrible, terrible nickname, although he has a very hot wife, so um, props to him. Props to him. Um, so, I don't know. He, he's back He's back on track here. <clears throat> and David Dvorak, uh, I mean, that sounds like a, um, a, a chess grandmaster or something, but no, it's, uh, it's, it's a fighter. It's a fighter. He's from uh, the Czech Republic. Um, <clears throat> and he is, he's on a, uh, 14 fight win streak. So, uh, that's interesting. Uh, he had, a, he had a good debut versus, uh, Bruno Silva. Again, I'm not trying to pretend that that guy was super high level, but, um, you know, and let me pull up the UFC rankings here because this should illustrate how, uh, bullshit the men's flyweight division is. Pretty sure David Dvorak is ranked in the top 10 and that's based on him beating an unranked guy in his UFC debut which just tells you that the UFC doesn't even give a fuck about the flyweights, so why should I? Um, let us see here. Oh, nope, okay, so he's at 14, so it wasn't as bad as I thought. But uh, that's, that's. could you imagine someone debuting in the UFC, some random fucking guy they pulled off the streets, or whatever, maybe Dvorak is legit as hell, I, who knows. But just some guy they pull off the streets, and he wins one fight, and he's already in the rankings. Ugh, I, I just, ugh. this is why we don't do flyweight rankings, because of shit like this, um, and Espinoza is number 13 in, in the flyweight division, um, I'm gonna go Dvorak, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the upside here, we've seen, 
Espinosa's ceiling a little bit, losing the guys in the top 10. I want to say Schnell. If Schnell's not in the top 10, he's right on the border. And Pantoja, I mean, he's damn near in the top five um, or something like that. Um, so I'll, I'll go with Dvorak. I, I really liked his his uh, UFC debut. Although, to be fair, you know, I, I really liked Espinosa's debut as well. He, You know, even for a flyweight, I, I noticed he was pretty... He was pretty active. He's pretty active. He he has a really good gas tank, um, bouncing around and, and doing stuff like this. All right, moving on here. Uh, still on the prelims, we have a women's strawweight fight here between Myra Bueno Silva, or uh, women's flyweight, excuse me. Myra Bueno Silva and Mera Romero Barella. Jeez, ugh. Can you just go by Mara Barella, please? Or maybe MR Barella? Always fucks me up. Always fucks me up every time. Is it Mara Barella Romero? Ugh. M- MBS versus MRB is, 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 is what this fight is. It's, it's versus the fucking queens of, of the, the three-letter nicknames. Um, again, I, I don't really care about this fight. Um... I don't know. Let's take a look at their records here real quick because I, I, I don't want to spend any longer than 30 seconds previewing this fight. Uh, Silva, she lost to Marina Moroz um, and beat beat Jillian Robertson in her UFC debut. Okay, that's interesting. That is interesting. That's a, that's a high-level win. Um, Mera Romero Barella. Um, I want to... Well, I'm not going to make that accusation, but... It, Look up her personal life or her criminal potential criminal record. I want to say she was someone who maybe got in trouble for doing something at some point. Um, she's on a three-fight losing streak, which is uh, not very good. She's lost four of her last five. Um, she did have a, she did have a win over Talia Santos in between that losing streak, and Talia Santos is ranked I think at number fourteen in the flyweight division according to North Star Sports. So, I don't know. It's tough. I mean, she's she's faced some pretty decent fighters like uh, Courtney Casey or a Lauren Murphy, a Caitlin Chukagian. Um, been in the UFC since October of 2017. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, Bueno Silva on on this one. I think I'm gonna side with the upside. The the win over Robertson's probably, uh, you know, that that's a better win than uh, Romero Barella has ever had. Um, so, so we'll go with Silva. Alrighty, moving on here. Uh, still on the prelims. Holy fucking balls. Still on the prelims. I forgot. 15 fight card. Uh, Miguel Baeza taking on Jeremiah Wells. Now, uh, Miguel Baeza was supposed to take on Mickey Gall. Um, so now he's taking on, um... God, I hate HP computers so fucking much. Um, Jeremiah Wells, who's eighteen or eight two and one. Um, hot sports take alert. This is a tougher fight than Mickey Gall. Mickey Gall is awful. Mickey Gall should be cut immediately. I don't even know if I was Bellator if I'd want Mickey Gall. Actually, I would because he's got a following, but Mickey Gall is not good at all. Um, so this is actually a harder fight for Miguel Baeza. This short notice fight with Jeremiah Wells. I don't even know anything about this kid. Um, but I promise you, he's he's a better fighter than Mickey Gall. Um, he's 33, so he's a grown man. Uh, he is 
absolutely yoked to the fucking gills. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> I got nothing else to say on Jeremiah Wells. I wonder if the odds are updated for this. Um, doesn't look like they have updated odds. Um, I could tell you that, uh, you know, we'll give North Star Sports odds, although these are not legally binding because we're not a sports book. Uh, but off the top of my head, I don't know. I'm going to say uh, Baeza is the minus 450 favorite. That sounds that sounds reasonable. Um, Baeza came off the uh, Contender Series. Uh, his nickname is Carmel. Carmel, holy shit, I'm turning into a fucking old man. No, 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 I said it right. Okay, never mind. See, that's a really big debate. Carmel or caramel? Carmel or caramel? Caramel, caramel. Caramel Sunday. Caramel Sunday. Shit, now I don't even know how I would normally say it now that I've thought about it. I've overthought it. Caramel. Caramel. Yeah, you know what? I think you're a douche if you say caramel. I think if you say caramel, you're you're a, a knobhead. I think caramel. Caramel's how you say it, okay? I don't know. Oh, but what about the second A? I don't know. Why don't we say... Why, why isn't knife knife? I don't know. The English language is fucking weird. We don't say the second A in caramel. It's not caramel. Um, but yeah, I, either way, how, however you say it, uh, Baez is going to win. Um... He knocked out Matt Brown in his last fight, which is awesome because Matt Brown is a fucking douche as well. I bet you he says caramel. Um, it's funny as hell watching Matt Brown get knocked out. Not going to lie. Seems like a major dick. <laughs> Seems like a major dick. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll go Miguel Baeza. Uh, you know what? We'll go by um, first round stoppage. Not going to say how, but first round stoppage. Uh, moving on here. Still on the prelims. It's it's the prelim Main event. It's Mursad Bektic taking on Damon Jackson. Now, Bektic was supposed to take on, um, where is it, Eduardo Garagori. Now, that would have been that would have been a very interesting fight. This one, not so much. I mean, I'm pretty confident that Mursad Bektic is going to win this one. Um, although, he's kind of fell on rough times here. I want to say he's on a two-fight. Yeah, he's on a two-fight losing streak. Uh, lost to Josh Emmett, which, fair enough, that's very tough, and lost to Dan Ige, so, you know, two really tough fighters. Um, but he's going to rebound here versus Damon Jackson. If you remember, uh, I can say this before I even click on Damon Jackson's profile, because this was the guy, I forget the Russian's name, because Russians have impossible, impossibly long names, but this was the guy who got knocked out in the greatest knockout in PFL history. He got knocked out with a flying knee... Who was it by? Some crazy... Movlid Kaibulov. He got knocked out in 10 seconds with a flying knee. Um, one of the... Well, it, it, that is the greatest PFL knockout, but that's a very low bar to set. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, by all accounts, Damon Jackson's at least a decent fighter. I mean, his record's pretty fucking good. I mean, 17-3-1. Obviously, records are very contextual. Um, he has a lot of submission finishes. That, let me tell you that. He's got a lot of submission finishes. Um, he did have a, a three-fight stint in the UFC. He went winless. He went 0-1-1, comma, and 1. So he had a loss, a no contest, and a draw. Um, so looking to, looking to get his first UFC win here. 
Um, but I don't I don't think he's gonna get it. He's pretty fucking tall though for uh, for featherweight. He's five eleven, which I mean I guess it's not crazy tall, but you know it's on the taller side of one forty five. Um, but yeah, you know what? And just for the lulls, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Bechtich by flying knee knockout on uh, on Damon Jackson. That's what I think is gonna happen. Alrighty, moving on. Finally. To the main card. It's a one, two, three, four, five, six fight main card. Uh, we have m- probably my favorite middleweight uh, currently going, uh, Kevin the Trailblazer Holland, taking on Darren the Dentist Stewart. Uh, we look at the odds here from uh, William Hill, and they have Kevin Holland is the minus two forty favorite. I would have it as the minus ten thousand favorite that's how confident i am in kevin holland uh kevin holland is gonna fucking punk this dude uh i love kevin holland he, wa- he said he wants to be the um welterweight and middleweight version of cowboy cerrone uh he- he's well on his way he's a very fucking active fighter and um i'd love to see him i don't know if he's made his debut at welterweight i don't, I don't think he's done that yet i think he's only fought at middleweight um i mean jesus this is one active fighter Comes into the UFC, gets a win over, um, uh, actually, excuse me, he loses to Tiago Santos in his UFC debut back at UFC 227. Beats John Phillips, beats GM3, beats Alessia DiCurico, loses to Brendan Allen, which, that's that's a really tough fight. I'm actually incredibly high on Brendan Allen. Um, comes back and has a very nice highlight level knockout of Anthony Hernandez. Uh, early in the first round, and then has a highlight knockout late, uh, actually early in the third round, um, versus uh, Joaquin Buckley. Now, the tough thing for him is he keeps getting his his opponents keep pulling out. They keep pulling out. He was supposed to fight Jack Marshman. Uh, he pulled out, not that that was a high-level guy. Um, he was supposed to fight Daniel Rodriguez, which... I mean, you look at the power that guy has in his left hand. Uh, that would have been an interesting fight. You look at, um, he was supposed to fight Trevin Giles before he took on uh, Joaquin Buckley. Um, he just keeps fighting these guys who keep coming into the UFC. And, you know, it, it's another win. It's another paycheck. But if you just because you beat guys who come into the UFC doesn't mean you move up the ladder in the slightest. Now, this is his first real test since the loss to Brendan Allen um, about a year ago. Um, Darren Stewart, make make no illusions. He's not, you know what I mean. He's not that good of a fighter, but he, you know, he, he's he's a tough test. You know, he, he's coming off of that win over uh, Maki Patolo. Uh, he has a win over Duran Win, Bevan Lewis, Charles Bird. You know, he has he has a lot of wins in the UFC over very bad uh, UFC level fighters. Um, so it, it's it's a little bit of a test. I mean, you know, Darren Stewart could put your lights out, but I I think. Kevin Holland, as the kids would say, I think he's, I think he's gonna nay nay. I think he's gonna nay nay on Darren Stewart, whatever the fuck that means. Um, and it's just not even gonna be close. I think Kevin Holland's striking. Um, honestly, at this point, right now, as it stands on September seventeenth, I think his striking's probably top five in the middleweight division right now. Now, you know, his ground game might not be top five. Other things might not be top five, but purely striking. I mean, Jesus Christ, Kevin Holland striking is on another level. It's it's very impressive. All right, moving on here on the main card. 
if my HP computer would not shit out. Oh, this is a fun one. Uh, we have a women's strawweight fight between the fake Brazilian Mackenzie Dern and Randa Marcos. I forgot. I saw this somewhere, and um, I wish I remembered where. But somebody was mentioning this fight, and they said, "Oh, this is a good fight between two stars, Mackenzie Dern and Randa Marcos." Uh, number one, Randa Marcos is the furthest thing away from a star you could possibly be while still technically being under contract by the Ultimate Fighting Championship. And Mackenzie Dern is not a star at all. Not a star. She's an Instagram star. I, I would guarantee she has a, a frightening amount of followers on Instagram. Um, but she is not a star. If you put Mackenzie Dern on a pay-per-view, we throw around star way too fucking much in sports in general. There's about 25 stars in the UFC. Um, is Mackenzie Dern a popular fighter for a strawweight who is not ranked? Yeah, of course. Is she a star? Absolutely fucking not. Put her on a pay-per-view and you are going to lose money. Um, no. She is very popular for... <laughs> for four reasons, she's very popular. Um, and uh, she's, she's also a fake Brazilian uh, with that accent, which is hilarious. Um, a lot of simps, a lot of fucking simps, who the mailman does not respect, will defend her with that accent. But you can go back when she was like 17, living in like Phoenix, Arizona or whatever, did not have a Brazilian accent. I understand her dad is... Megaton or whatever the fuck his name is. Maybe he was born in Brazil. Pretty sure he was born in Brazil. Um, she was not born in Brazil. She does not have a Brazilian accent. She developed that, uh, which is funny. I don't know why. It seems like a lot of work to keep up an accent. You know, like either you have an accent or you don't. Like that's, like, that would be weird if I just talk like a crazy funny guy like this. And it's totally normal. I go to the grocery store with three people who, like a 70-year-old woman, and I keep up this charade even for the woman. Uh, it just seems like a lot of work. Like, how do you, I don't know. Fucking weird, really weird shit going on here with Mackenzie Dern. Uh, but she'll win this one. Random Marcos is not that good of a fighter. I'm not even going to look at their records because, I again, I don't really care. It's an inconsequential uh, fight. Unless you're a simp, then it's a very consequential uh, fight. Um, I want to see if either of those two are ranked. I know they have been ranked at some point. Um, oh, okay, Mackenzie Dern is uh, number 13, and Randa Marcos is number 14 in the women's strawweight division, according to North Star Sports. But that's only because strawweight is not very deep. Strawweight's pretty good top 10-wise, but once, you know, not very deep, not very deep. Um, and I think that's because a lot, a lot of these, a lot of these fighters are just moving, moving up to, um, to flyweight. Um, yeah, we'll go McKenzie, McKenzie Dern by submission in, um, I don't know, round three. Alrighty, moving on here in the light heavyweight division, we have a bout here between Johnny Walker and Ryan Span. Walker is seventeen and five. Span is eighteen and five. We consult the North Star Sports rankings, which, of course, you can find at northstarsports.media forward slash rankings. Uh, Johnny Walker is at number 10. Ryan Spann is at number 11, so very solid matchmaking here. Uh, this is a good one. This is a good one. They're both very tall, very exciting. 
uh, light heavyweights. They're both, I want to say, six foot five. Uh, both very good, very good strikers. I would expect this to be a kickboxing match. Um, and this, this is kind of a crossroad, crossroads fight here for Johnny Walker, if I'm being honest. Um, very quickly consulting the William Hill odds, they have Johnny Walker as the slight 125 favorite. This is a crossroads fight for Johnny Walker because let's not forget when the when the light heavyweight division was at its darkest. This was a man who knocked out Justin Ledet in 15 seconds with a, a spinning back fist. He knocked out Misha Serkinov with a flying knee. He was one win away from fighting for the title. If he beat Corey Anderson, I truly believe he would have fought for the title. Um, he probably would have had the title fight that Dom Reyes got at 247. So if he beat Corey Anderson at uh, 244, I think he would have got it. Um, he got knocked out by Corey Anderson. But Corey Anderson's a tough fighter for whatever you can say about him. I, you know, I don't fault Walker for that loss. Um, and then he lost to Nikita Krilov, where he got grapple-fucked into oblivion. Um, I think Krilov is underrated. Um, he, he seems to be much better in his second tenure here in the UFC, but, you know, if you're Walker, you know, nobody ever wants to be on a three-fight losing streak, and this is a very talented guy. Um, I think after the loss to Anderson is when he went to TriStar, so the Krilov fight was his first fight under Faraz Sahabi. Now, it didn't work out for him, but I think that move will work out and it will pay great dividends in the future. Just you know what I mean? It was just it was one fight. It was the first fight. Um, I, I think that's the smartest move he ever could have made. And I think Johnny Walker wins this one. I think, man, if you're same with Kevin Lee, like he lost his debut with Faraz Sahabi. Okay, that sucked. That's never good. But I, I still think that'll work out for him in the long run. Faraz Sahabi, for my money, is is the greatest MMA coach of all time. Um, and if, if I would suggest every fighter goes to TriStar, I don't even care where the, I don't care where the fuck you are. It doesn't even matter. I don't even care if you're Israel Adesanya and you're at fucking whatever the hell they call that New Zealand gym, city kickboxing. I don't even give a fuck if it's that. Go to Faraz Hobby. Um, <clears throat> but Ryan, Ryan Spann is going to be a tough test, a tough test. So I remember watching this guy lose to Carl Roberson. Um, on the contender series, he got knocked out by an elbow in 15 seconds. Uh, he fell to 10 and five, and I was kind of like, oh, okay. I mean, I don't know. I'm always infatuated by fighters who are super tall, just because I think that presents an interesting uh, dimension if you're good enough. So he goes back to LFA. He gets three uh, first round finishes. Comes back to the to the contender series. Chokes out Emiliano Sordi. Now he's in the UFC. Beats Luis Henrique. Knocks out uh, Little Nog. Chokes out Devin Clark. Wins a split decision over Sam Alvey. And now, all of a sudden, a guy who was 10-5 is on an eight-fight winning streak. I don't know. He's kind of come, He's kind of become legit. He has kind of become legit. Um, but I think the losing streak stops here. Again, I... I'm still interested in his career moving forward because he is only 29 and just 6'5", 81 and a half uh, inch reach. Um, he is coached by uh, uh, Safe Sayud or Sayud. No, 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 Safe Sayud. Um, so I don't know. For, you look at Fortis MMA. I don't know, man. They got a lot of young fight. 
Fortis MMA is going to be like um, like Jackson Winks in in two years, in two years, because they right now they have a bunch of fighters. And they're all kind of young in their UFC careers, but just give it a couple of years and watch those guys get more developed and watch them bring even more young fighters into the UFC. I don't know, man. I Fortis MMA is legit as fuck. So, I don't know. I, I, it's interesting to see some of these... Um, some of these smaller smaller gyms, you know, become more prominent and, and get more guys in the UFC. Uh, no longer is it necessarily beneficial to to stay at a giant gym. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I mean, these these gyms are still having a lot of success, but I don't, you know, I don't know. Like, you look at, like, uh, Jackson Winker and, you know, an AKA. A lot of people are leaving AKA. A lot of people are leaving ATT. Um, I don't know if that's a way to go. Well, what do I know? But just looking at it from an outsider's perspective... It is interesting to see, um, you know, all these people kind of leaving a mass exodus. Um, moving on here, as I take a sip of coffee, as I wait for my piece of shit HP computer to uh, to load. It's good coffee. Uh, we have Hamzat Chemaev taking on Gerald Mearshart. This is in the featured bout. Um, you know what? Fuck it. This is Mailman's Lock of the Week, Hamzat Chemaev. It's time now for the Mailman's Lock of the Week. All right, so there you have it. Hamzat Chemaev is the Mailman's Lock of the Week. Um, obviously, I mean, you want to talk about, oh, is Mackenzie Dern a star? Is Randa Marcos a star? No, no, no. You want to talk about a real star? Look at my boy, Hamzat Chemaev. Um, this was the guy who broke the UFC record for the uh, the, the quickest turnaround uh, between wins. So he beat John Phillips on Fight Island on July 15th. He came back 10 days later and beat Reese McKee. Uh, I don't have the stat in front of me, but the strike differential was something fucking ridiculous. Like, in those two fights combined, I think he he threw something like 198 strikes, and his opponents only landed two. Like, that's not even fathomable. That's not even fathomable how that's possible. Um... So here's the thing. This is this is a big step up for Chemayev. Mearshart is a, is a legitimate fighter. I hate to see a, I hate to say a gatekeeper, but I, but I, maybe more accurate would be a level keeper. You know what I mean? So he so Chemayev beat two guys um, who are not very well. Reese McKee's a young prospect. So but but point being, at that time, he he beat two guys who were pretty low in the UFC. Mearshart's been in the UFC for for a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, he, he's had quite a few fights. He's a very active fighter. Um, now, listen, he loses more fights than he wins in the UFC. He's lost four of his last six. Um, but he will beat... If, if you're not at a certain level, GM3 will beat you. You know what I mean? Like, he beat Deron Wynn. He beat Trevin Giles. He beat Oscar Pejota. He beat... Uh, Eric Spicely, 
you know, these are not necessarily high-level guys, but you know what I mean? Like, if you don't belong in the UFC, he'll beat you. Now, I don't think anybody's saying Shemaev doesn't belong in the UFC, but, you know, point being, you look at who Mearshart's lost to, they're all really good fighters. They're all re- He's never lost to a bum, in, at least in the UFC. I don't want to speak for his entire fucking career because, I, you know, I, I don't follow him that closely. But um, I got to say, a, a weird part of me sympathizes. Not not a weird part because I'm sure a lot of people could at least identify with this feeling. But, like, I, I kind of sympathize with Gerald Mearshart, to be honest with you. I, uh, part of me, I, now, I want to say I'm picking Chimaev to win, so I want Chimaev to win. But a part of me wants GM3 to win this fight. You know, GM3 feels disrespected that they are booking Jemayev versus Maya before this fight is even fucking over. Like, it's a foregone conclusion. Like, it's a given that they're going to beat GM3. I can tell you right now, it is not a given that Jemayev beats Mearshart. Should Jemayev be favored? Probably. Will Jemayev win? Yeah, Probably. But is it a given? No, absolutely fucking not. This is a guy who has, like, 50 fucking pro fights. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a given. Like, you know what I mean? So, a part of me wants GM3 to derail the hype train. Now, more of me wants Jemayev to win because it'd be interesting to see how far this hype train can go. Because if you beat Damian Maya, who's fucking, like, I think still ranked in the top 10, like, holy shit, well, then then you have to go up in the rankings if you beat if you beat well actually you know let me let me look at the rankings just so i know what i'm talking about yeah oh fuck yeah damian maya's number seven so if chimayev beats damian maya who's number seven you can't turn around and then give him number 11 vincente luke you have to give him someone higher and the people who are higher than damian damian maya are very fucking good like, you know what I mean? We're talking about a Woodley, a Masvidal, an Edwards, a Covington, a Burns. Like, holy shit. If Jemayev beats Damian Maya, holy fuck. He might get a title shot way sooner than we thought. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's, not, it's not a given. Not a given. I'll be very interesting to see how this goes because, you know, some people have criticized Jemayev's usage of gas. Not necessarily his gas tank, but, you know what I mean? Like... You can try to run through fighters, and that might work against a Reese McKee, but will that work against veterans? Will that work against top-level guys? Probably not. So how are you going to adjust? Can you hold down and smash a Gerald Mearshart? I'm not saying he can't. I think he probably can, but it certainly is an interesting talking point because when you're talking about uh, 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 John Phillips, who does nothing on the ground, who literally only has a a powerful left hand... um, and you're talking about a well-rounded fighter like Mearshart, who's who's very good on the ground. He is a ground guy. Uh, I don't know. Then then it gets interesting. But uh, you know, then at the same time, if he, if he beats Mearshart, okay, then we can start talking about a Damian Maya because then it's then it's kind of interesting because Shemaev is, is passing these litmus tests that we give him. And I think he will pass. This litmus test here. I, I do think he'll beat Mearshart. I don't think it'll be in the fashion that he's accustomed to because, you know, a strike differential of 198 to 2 is damn near impossible to replicate. Um, I think it might be a little bit of a sloppy fight. I don't think it'll necessarily always go Chimaev's way, but I, I do think Chimaev pulls out the win here. 
<coughs> All right, moving on here to the co-main event of the evening. <coughs> As I uh, cough up a lung here, we have the meanest matchmaking I have ever seen. Donald Cowboy Cerrone taking on Nico the Hybrid Price. Now, Price is the minus 155 favorite. Um, in the business, in the business, we would call matching up Donald Cerrone and Nico Price. The technical term for doing this is called a dick move. This is a dick move. Uh, Cowboy Cerrone, this is a guy who um, is overrated. Very good. Very good. Don't want to shit on Cowboy, but he is very overrated. He tends to lose the big fights. Tends to lose the big fights. Can't really argue that. Um, he's on a four-fight losing streak. He's been fucking knocked out in three of these. He's been knocked out in three of these. Um, Ferguson, Gaethje, McGregor, and then lost a the decision to Anthony Pettis. This is a guy who is... Washed up is a harsh word to use, but... At the end of the at the end of the dusty trail is what we'll say. That's a nicer way to put it. Cowboy Cerrone, Cowboy Cerrone is at the end of the dusty trail. Uh, the the sunset is closing in on Cerrone. Uh, he will never be a UFC champion because he shouldn't be ranked. Uh, I think he technically is ranked according to the UFC. Uh, let's pull that up because that that'll be a great way to illustrate how fucking stupid the UFC is with their rankings and how superior North Star Sports is. Because I want to say he's actually still significantly... So he's he's at number 14 in the lightweight division. Now, you look at North Star Sports. Oh, okay, he's at number 15. All right, never mind. Uh, can that. But either way, I mean, this is a, this is a dick move because Nico Price... Now, Nico, Nico Price is not the greatest fighter of all time, but he is one of the most dangerous fighters of all time. This is a guy who has two finishes from the bottom, which... Two, two, two knockout finishes from the bottom, which I gotta say is very fucking impressive. Very impressive. Knocked out Randy Brown from hammer fists from the bottom position. That still is impressive. And and the sound those punches made are startling. It was like he was chopping wood on Randy Brown's fucking head. Brutal. Fucking brutal. Now, he's also been knocked out or and or finished, uh, you know, a few times in the UFC. Luke A, uh, Al, Al Hassan... Uh, Jeff Neal um, also has an upkick knockout of James Vick, um, but Nico Price is the epitome of the Florida man. Nico Price, in every sense of the word, is the Florida man. You know when you see those stupid fucking articles about oh, uh, Florida. Well, I'm not gonna actually name any examples because I don't want to directly attribute that to Nico Price because I'm obviously being hyperbolic here, but. Um, Nico Price is fucking crazy. That guy is legitimately... I watched an interview with him yesterday for Media Day. <laughs> that guy is legitimately fucking insane. That guy is crazy. <laughs> I, I guess in a good way. Like, he's not, like, malicious crazy. You know what I mean? But he's he, he's got a couple of screws loose in his head, which... I mean, fair enough. I mean, you gotta be a fucking weirdo in general to be a fighter. You know, and there's nothing wrong with being a weirdo. I'm a weirdo. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, he's legitimately fucking crazy. And he's legitimately scary. He's very scary. Um, so, putting Cowboy Cerrone against a knockout artist like Nico Price, that's a, that's a dick move. Um, 
I'm going to favor Nico Price to win this one. I'm going to say he finishes Cowboy. I'm going to say he finishes him. Um, I don't know when, and I don't know how. I'd I'd venture to guess a TKO, maybe a knockout. Uh, But this is a very mean, a very, very mean fight to put Cowboy in. And it's it's a mean fight knowing that Cowboy... Oh, excuse me. It's a mean fight knowing that Cowboy's not going to turn it down. You know what I mean? Like you could, if if you're the UFC and you go up to Cowboy and you're like, "Hey, listen, we need you to make heavyweight and you're going to fight Francis and Ganu." Cowboy's not going to turn you down. Cowboy's too tough for his own good. He's a badass. Um, so he's he's not going to turn down a fight with Nico Price. But yeah, fucking. And the thing is, so Cowboy's kind of our golden boy, right? Because. He has the most wins in UFC history. I think he has the most finishes. la di da da whatever. But um, instead of taking care of Cowboy and realizing, listen, this is a popular fighter. He's never going to win a belt. Uh, he should not be ranked. He's on a four-fight losing streak. Let's give him some favorable fights. Let's give him some fighters who are also his same age, two fighters who are at the end of their career. How about we have him fight a Matt Brown, that would be interesting, or how about we have him fight a Carlos Condit, or you know what I mean, just like, legacy fights, let's take care of him, no, 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 let's have him fight Nico Price, and you gotta ask yourself this, if Cowboy beats Nico Price, what does that do for him, what, what does that do for him, does that move him up in the rankings, nope, doesn't move him up a fucking inch in the rankings, if he beats Nico Price, does that help his legacy, nope, doesn't help his legacy at all, if Cowboy beats Nico Price, does that help his popularity? Nope. Nobody knows who the fuck Nico Price is unless you're a hardcore fan. Um, so there's literally nothing to gain other than a paycheck. And there's plenty to lose because you could lose a, a little bit of legacy. I mean, Cowboy's legacy is kind of set. I don't think losses take away from a legacy. Um, but, you know, you could lose another loss on the record. Well, I guess gain another loss on the record, but that's not a good thing. You know, you could lose your conscious. I mean... There's nothing to gain here fighting Nico Price, so kind of a dick move. Alrighty, now moving on here to the main event of the evening. It is an a, a highly anticipated matchup here between Colby Chaos Covington and Tyron the Chosen One Woodley. Covington is 15 and 2. Woodley is 19, 5 and 1. We look at the odds here. Covington is the minus 340 favorite. Moderate, damn near prohibitive favorite here. Technically the third biggest favorite on the card behind... Uh, well, actually, Bektik is not fighting Garagori, uh, so second second biggest. I think I forgot to say the, the odds for the Chimaev and Mearshart fight. Uh, by the way, Chimaev is the minus 500 favorite. Um, let's see here. What else? Oh, yep, looking at the North Star Sports Rankings... Covington is ranked number two. Woodley is ranked number five. Now, this this is a fight I want to see. This is a fight that we've been waiting to see for 25 months. Actually, wait a minute. 27 months. 27 months. Because it was 27 months ago that Colby Covington uh, beat... Rafael Dos Nachos to become the interim welterweight champ. Uh, they were supposed to fight in September of 2018 in Dallas at UFC 228. Uh, didn't happen. They decided to 
put uh, Darren Till uh, against Tyron Woodley, which never should have happened because Till uh, lost that fight to uh, Wonderboy Thompson. I'm also one of these people, by the way, th- this is a little tangent here, but Darren Till has not won a fight since 2017 in my mind. Darren Till has not won a fight since 2017. The last fight Darren Till has has won was a finish over Cowboy Cerrone. He lost to Wonderboy Thompson. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. You look at what the media has to say about it. You look at MMA decisions. He lost that fight to Wonderboy. The only reason he won that is because the UFC wanted a new title challenger. They didn't want to book a trilogy with uh, uh, Woodley and Wonderboy. And it was in it was in uh, Till's hometown. Um, he lost to Woodley. He... Fuck, what was one after that? He lost to... Mo- he got knocked out by Masvidal. He lost to uh, Kelvin Gastelum. It was a split decision win, but I think he lost. And then he lost to Whitaker. So he, he he's on a five-fight losing streak, in my mind. Darren Till is on a five-fight losing streak. Um, neither here nor there. Point being, this is a very, very highly anticipated fight. Uh, it's lost a little bit of its steam because Woodley's on a two-fight losing streak. He's no longer the champ. Covington... You know, lost to Usman, but you know, listen. I mean, this fight could damn near start a race war. You know what I mean? This this is a very heated, very heated fight. And if there's any fight, if there's any fight that would motivate Tyron Woodley, it's this fight versus Covington. Now, I want to say, I'm picking Covington to win, and I feel pretty confident about it. I think Woodley is a little bit over the hill. I don't think. I don't think there's any fight that could get him back, but like I said, if there's anyone that that could, it would be it would be this one over, or it would be this fight with Covington. Now, it gets a little interesting because Woodley's been 50-44 in his last two fights, but if he beats Covington, Covington's ranked number two, so it's weird to say. But if Woodley wins this one, he's right back in the title picture. Now, obviously, obviously, I'd still favor Edwards to get a title shot before Woodley does. I'd still favor Masvidal to get a title shot before, you know, I'd still favor plenty of guys, but he's, he's still at number five. And if he beats number two, he could be ranked number two or number three. So you know what I mean? It wouldn't, it wouldn't necessarily feel like it, but he'd be, he'd literally be right there back in the title picture. Um, the problem for Tywin Woodley, and listen, these are these are my two favorite fighters in the welterweight division. I'm a huge fan of Tyron Woodley. He went to Mizzou. I went to Mizzou. I think Woodley is the most underrated UFC champion of all time. He had four title defenses. That's fucking impressive. Uh, he always got the job done in those title defenses. Um, and he beat he beat his opponents at their own game. Um, and Covington. I mean, how can you not like Covington? If if you don't like Col- if you don't like Colby Covington. You, you have a low IQ because what's happening is, like, actually, maybe I'll amend that. If you get mad at Colby Covington, you have a low IQ because you don't realize that it's it's kayfabe. You know what I mean? It's, it's fucking fake. He's doing it to get, he's doing it to make you mad. So if you get mad, you're a fucking idiot because you literally just fell into his own fucking trap. Like, we're, everybody knows Colby Covington, it's, it's a shtick. It's a gimmick. He's fucking said as much. So if, if you're one of these people who's like, Oh my God! He said that about Brazilians. Oh my God! I'm legitimately mad. He he did that to get a, a a rise out of you. So you're a fucking idiot because you literally are giving him what he wants. You know what I mean? So you have to appreciate what Covington's doing, playing the bad guy. You know the Uncle Chael, the villain type of role. 
it's clearly fucking fake, guys. Like, come on, you're don't be an don't be an idiot. Like, I just think it's funny when people get heated about Colby Covington. Like, oh my God, you gotta break his his fucking neck. You gotta just viciously knock him out. Okay, because he plays a character. Whatever, man. Like, you're a fucking loser. Um, but this is a really bad fight for Woodley. I gotta say, it, it'll be interesting. There's a history here. Um, it's a bit of a legacy fight for Covington because you beat a, you, you you would beat a former champ and you know a guy who's number five in the rankings. And honestly, you know that fight with Usman was so close that it wouldn't shock me if Covington beat Woodley that he gets the next crack at the title after Burns. Um, because I mean honestly, I mean that was you know if that fight went to a decision, um. Okay, well, it's a, you have to look at it at different points. So, heading into the fifth round, it was two rounds apiece. So, if that fight go, goes to a decision, who knows who wins it. Now, if Covington, midway through the fifth round, it was pretty clear that Usman was winning that. So, if it went to, you know, the, the judges' scorecards, I mean, I mean, it would have been a close decision win for Usman. But, f- fuck, that was a close fight. That was a really close fight. That was a really good fight, kickboxing match. Um, I'd love to see it again. I would love to see it again. Um, I'm not saying Covington beats Usman the second time, um, necessarily, but man, it'd be very interesting to to see. It was very close, competitive. I think that's probably the most competitive match you you possibly could make um, in the welterweight division. Now, the bad thing for Woodley is you are fighting, again, nerds are going to get mad at me because obviously I realize these aren't exactly the same fighters, but... For, for all intents and purposes, what I'm trying to explain here, you're fighting the same fighter you just lost to twice in a row and lost to 50-44. Like, so look at the similarities between Usman, uh, Burns, and Covington. They all have really good wrestling. Now, we didn't necessarily... S- well, I guess we did see some wrestling, but, you know, they all have really good wrestling. They all have very high striking outputs... And they all have extremely good cardio. So I struggle. I struggle if I'm trying to find a way to win this fight for Woodley or if I'm trying to see how this fight plays out. I'm struggling to see how Woodley wins because you're fighting the same fucking guy you just lost to. Like a guy who Covington is not going to fade. Like, you know what I mean? For all 25 minutes, Covington's going to be putting it on you. He, 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 obviously, he's not going to be throwing with power, but he's just going to be peppering you with shots. The threat of the takedown is always there. His wrestling is really good, probably better than Woodley's at this point in their careers. So it's it's just tough, man. Now, the thing is, I've seen some people say, and this is true. This is true true because it is MMA. So anybody has a puncher's chance. But, man, if you're, if you're praying and hoping on a puncher's chance for Woodley, man... <laughs> It's just not going to happen versus Covington. I mean, like, it could. It, it, it hypothetically could, but fuck, man. Like, that's the, that's the same thing people said when Covington took on Robbie Lawler and just fucking dominated Robbie Lawler from start. To, I went back and rewatched that fight yesterday. Holy fuck. I've said it before. That's the greatest offensive performance I've ever seen. Dude, he landed like 10 takedowns. He threw over 500 strikes. Lawler couldn't get anything going. He was paralyzed. He was frozen. He was drowning. There was not a damn thing Robbie Lawler could do about it. And all you could say, all you could say every time 
Lawler stood up or every time the, the, the start of the new round began was, well, Robbie Lawler's got a puncher's chance. If he, he just needs to land one of these haymakers to knock out Covington, yeah, didn't fucking happen. Didn't fucking happen. You know what I mean? So that is true. Tyron Woodley is probably the hardest hitting 170-er in, in the UFC. Hits He hits very fucking hard. Like, that knockout of Koscheck is fucking brutal. That knockout of Lawler is brutal. He does have a lot of power, he, uh, and, and he could knock out anybody at any point. But the same was true when he took on Usman. Didn't happen in the 25-minute fight. Same thing was happen. Same thing w- w- was true in the Burns fight. Well, Woodley could knock him out. He, he could, but did he, though? No. So the last 50 minutes of Tyron Woodley fighting, he could have knocked out. He could have knocked them out, but he, he didn't. And I'm not saying it was his choice. I'm just saying, you know, his opponents were so good that he didn't have the opportunity to. He, the fight's not getting any easier here with Colby Covington. So I don't, you know, it is true, but I think that's very overplayed. Very, very overplayed because in, in all actuality, um, it's, it's not going to happen. Or at least the, the probability of it happening is, is, is pretty low. Covington, his offense is so good, it's defense. And, and he has a pretty good defense anyway. So I, I don't see it happening. I see... I see a dominant decision victory for Colby Covington. That's how I see this playing out. I don't think Covington finishes him just because Colby Covington does not have finishing ability. You know what I mean? He just, he just doesn't. He doesn't. But the, the, the thing is, though, I mean, I, I look at guys like a Covington or an Usman who consistently win five-round decisions. Those, those are the fighters you want to bet on. And the reason why you want to bet on fighters or why it looks good when you constantly win decisions, it's not the most fan-friendly style because people like to see finishes. But, like, when you win decisions, I've, I've, I've explained this before, but a fight is a, a series of moments. And if you go out there in moment number one and you knock out your opponent, that's awesome. You were so good in that individual moment that you beat them, and therefore there are no more moments to be had but you only won one moment. So, like, when Covington puts that 25-minute ass-whooping on, on Lawler, that's very, very impressive because it was 25 minutes. There's hundreds, well, maybe not hundreds, but, you know, there's dozens of moments in that fight, and every single moment, Covington won. So there's a consistency that comes along with that. Quite frankly, there's a domination that comes along with that. You're not allowing your opponent to ever win a given moment. You know what I mean? And, and, and so, I don't know. I just I look at a guy like Covington, and that he's as good as gold. Same with Usman. As good as gold. Usman is going to be champ probably for a very long time because he doesn't really have finishing ability, which would be nice. It would be nice if he got that. And I'm sure he technically, you know, I'm sure he could finish someone. But like, when you win dominant decisions, even if it's a, listen, dominant doesn't mean exciting. Usman's fight with Masvidal, from Usman's perspective, was boring, but it sure as fuck was dominant. Sure as fuck was dominant, because there wasn't really a moment in that fight that that Masvidal, you thought he was going to win, you know what I mean? So, dominant does not exactly equate to exciting. Sometimes dominant can be exciting. Khabib's a good example. Gaethje is a good example, you know what I mean? But it is not the same thing. You can be boring and dominant, and and that's Usman. No fucking knock. Because if you're exciting and you lose, well, good for you. You gained some fans because you were exciting, but you lost 
you lost this sponsorship because you not you're no longer the champ. You lost this. You lost that. You lost that. Your your pay is going down. So you know what I mean. That's the way to do it, and that's the way Covington and and Usman do it. I think they're on a collision course for a rematch, and I think this will be a tough fight because Woodley's Woodley's no punk. He he's still I still think he's really good. He just ran into really tough opponents. I think if you put Woodley against anybody outside of the top six, he fucking kills him. You know what I mean? Like, oh Woodley's Woodley's washed. Well, he's washed when it comes to fighting the best guys in the world, as in the top five, as in like fighting for a championship. But he's. He could st- Woodley could still win many, many fights in the UFC. Like, if you put Woodley versus Michael Chiesa, no disrespect to Michael Chiesa, and maybe Michael Chiesa wins, I don't know. But Woodley could kill him. He could kill him. You put Woodley against Dos Anjos, Woodley could kill him. He really could. You put Woodley against Nate Diaz, I think Woodley would fucking smoke him. If you put him against Luke or Magny or Neil, these are all tough fights. You know, but let's not get too overreactionary to Woodley getting dominated by the best guys in the world because that's what it is. He got dominated by the best guys in the world. There's plenty of guys who are not the best in the world, and Woodley would still feast on them. So, with that, we'll we'll wrap it up here. A dominant decision by Colby Covington over Tyron Woodley uh, is going to be my pick for the main event. Um... Again, we'll have the main card showdown. There will be no show because I'm going to be super busy, but we will have things on Twitter. You know, we will we will post the, the, the main card showdown. Um, yeah, that's pretty that's pretty much it. So, again, like always, I mean, check out my website. It's a great website. Not like that dog shit CBS website. Fucking. I go up to pull the odds from William Hill through CBS's, uh, CBS Sports website. Same as ESPN, these fucking, these jokers, dude. With the with the videos auto-playing, I don't want your video to auto-play. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck what Brian Campbell has to say in his interview with, with Scott Coker. And I like Brian Campbell. I love his show with Luke Thomas. But I want to consent to watching the video. North Star Sports believes in consent when it comes to watching video. Well... Okay, we believe in consent for a lot of things, but it, but we also believe in consent for for videos. So we don't. I don't want these videos just auto playing on my fucking computer. Okay, if I wanted to watch the video, I'd be more than happy to click on it. But I don't want to open up seven tabs with CBS Sports and have fucking seven different videos playing. Your your, your videos are not that good. I, I I don't care. We'll never do that at North Star Sports. If you go to North Star Sports, we have all of the podcasts there that you can listen to. You have to manually click on those podcasts to hear them because we, you know, we, we believe that you should choose to listen to our podcast. We don't want them just blaring in the background. You know what I mean? That's, that's stupid. But again, check out our website. You know, we got the picks segment. We got the main card showdown. We got the rankings. You could, you could listen to our podcast on there if you want, but you also could listen to our podcast on a, a litany, a plethora of, of podcasting platforms iTunes, Apple Podcasts, I think that's just the same thing, but um, Spotify, uh, TuneIn, Stitcher, PodMN, pretty much anywhere, dude. I mean, if you go to a podcasting thing, I'd be surprised if we didn't have a, a show on there. So, you know, be, be sure to be sure to check that out. Um, be sure to follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN, the mailman. He's always got funny stuff to say at Owen the mailman. 
uh, North Star Sports at North Star M I N. And thanks for tuning in, everybody.